like that. Hello, one and all, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Oh, boy. I'm actually... Okay, I almost said I was very excited for this show. I got a little, I'm a little mixed bag of emotions right now for the start of this show. But we'll get to the more sad stuff towards the end of the show. Okay, because I want to start the show off on a lighter note. On some funny things. I mean, on the funny personal experiences. Maybe not the experience for the, the individual that was involved. Not myself. I was an outsider in the situation. Somewhat Okay, it's kind of hard to explain, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But before we do all of that stuff... I just want to make sure to remind you all to make sure you're following Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The Twitter account is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. YouTube and Facebook, The Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you're following or subscribed or liked on all of those things. And of course, again, you're listening to it right now, so why aren't you subscribed if you're not? Subscribe to The Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure... Make sure you leave a rating out of five stars on both. And you can leave a description on Apple Podcasts. I don't know if you can do that on Spotify, but on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a description. So if you have an iPhone or an Apple product of some sort, you have the app. You have the app for free. And if you have both, like I do, because I have an iPhone and I downloaded Spotify, you can subscribe to both on there. Or if you just have an Android, you can subscribe on Spotify. Or any, just do, just subscribe, okay? You can leave a one-star rating. You can leave a two-star rating. A three or four, I would appreciate a five-star rating. But if you don't feel the show is up to snuff and deserving of an undisputed five-star rating as it's currently sitting at, then I can't help you. <laughs> but of course, leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do about the Logan Blackman show. I greatly appreciate it. But I want to start out the show with this. And it's not the thing that you're thinking about right now. I think most people out there are considering, are thinking about that Logan's going to start the show off talking about Kyler Murray's contract inclusion about him with mandatory four-hour film study a week, basically in a dark room by himself. No, we'll get to that in a little bit. It is about an injury of sorts, a medical condition of sorts. Joe Burrow is having his appendix appendix removed. Appendix removed. Append he has appendicitis, I believe. I mean, they never said, but he's having an ap- appendectomy to get it removed. And this is not a, appendicitis is not a thing that you should mess around with. If not treated properly or not treated quickly enough, you could die. And it won't feel very good because basically what it is, from my understanding, this is not any medical research I have done, but from what I understand, your appendix holds all the nasty stuff in your body. So when it bursts, or is about to burst, you feel all sorts of pain. And it doesn't feel very well. Well, I have two (laughs) stories about appendectomies, or three, three stories about appendectomies that have not personally, I have not had the surgery, okay? I'm good. I'm cool. All my major things happen to my head and face area, okay? All my major injuries, we got concussions, we got teeth falling out, we've got a scar on my forehead from hitting the corner of a coffee table, we've bit through my lip, like, I, all my terrible injuries are to my face. Now, I have two scars on my left knee, one from scraping it on the gutter of our house in Cedar Falls because, yes, we were being juvenile delinquents, and we were getting on the roof, and the gutter had a little part that stuck straight out and it sliced my knee open. The other one is from when my sister was hitting me with a blanket, and I tried to dodge it too close to the fireplace, 
and I rolled and sliced my knee open on the corner of the fireplace. So two corners of two very sharp things sliced my knee open. But other than that, face is where all my injuries take place. Okay? So it's a, it's a wonder how I look as good as I do, you know? With all these injuries taking place, these surgeries I've had. Man, I look good. <laughs> and I even I had a TV fall in my eye as well. So one of my eyelids is a little bit more closed. Not, not by a lot. But if you stare directly, one of my eyelids is kind of more droopy than the other one. I can notice it because I've lived with it my entire, but since I was three, going on four. So I've noticed it a lot. But if you don't point it out, it's not really that noticeable. But I notice it. And my dad sliced my earlobe off when he was cutting my hair. Not, not entirely, but he cut it. And, you know, that's another story. There's my injuries, but appendectomies <laughs> have been somewhat entertaining stories for me. Not for what the people are going through. I'm not laughing at the pain. I'm laughing at the things involving those. So the first one, we brought two of these people up on the show before. First and second story we'll go over. The third one, I don't think I've ever brought him up on the show before. But the first one involved my friend Tom. Tom, we brought him up before. I went to him with I went with him to Montana a few weeks ago. I brought him up numerous times. Remember in the fall we did his bets before we started sucking major ass at the bets. We were doing that. You remember that? It was kind of a fun period before I had to retire from that because we were starting to get bad. And for someone that hosts a sports podcast, it's a <laughs> it's kind of important that you keep doing well in those. So when you're not doing well, it kind of is a bad look for you. Okay. But Tom had his appendix burst. I think he had his appendix burst like two or three years ago. Okay. And I was not involved. I was not with him when it happened, but I've, I've talked to Tom enough. I've known him pretty much my entire life. So I've, I've been well informed on the story. So Tom went to the, for as far as I can understand, he'll probably message me tomorrow if he's listening to the show, which I would appreciate it. Cause the two people that I'm going to talk about, as far as I know, listen to every show. So I appreciate both of you, but we'll get back to the second one in a little bit. We're on Tom now. So Tom goes to the UI Medical Center, or like the campus uh, like nurse's office, I guess, and they go through a little procedure just to see like what, what the hell's going on. So it's one of two things is what he's originally told. One of them is not a burst appendix. It is either the stomach flu or stomach cancer, which I don't know if you're aware of both of those situations. I can imagine about 90% of the people listening to the show have had the stomach flu. And I hope none of you listening have stomach cancer. There's big differences between the pair. That's like when that's why you're not supposed to search like your medical issues on the internet. Like I got a headache. Oh, it could be from lack of sleep or something or you have brain cancer. Like it's just one of the two things. Like complete opposite ends of the spectrum. But that's what was said. <laughs> so, Tom's like, huh, well, and again, this is coming from a third, like, outsider's say, like, I was not there. <laughs> I did not live with them. I was in a different city at the time, but it's just funny to talk about. So, Tom goes to the hospital to get it checked out. He's like, oh, yeah, you have a burst appendix. Your appendix is about to burst. Or bu and let it be known that he did not necessarily, wasn't the closest to the nurse's office at the time. So he had to walk with the burst appendix all the way there and walk out. It, it's not, from what I understand, it's not the easiest thing to maneuver around when you have a burst appendix. Like when you're walking around, it's every step. Like it don't feel very good, I would imagine. So I'm hoping, knock on wood, of course, that, that never happens to me. But Tom... 
says something on social media. I don't remember what happened. Like right after the surgery, or like he's going into surgery or something. And our friend Johnny, who we went up to visit in Montana, said, <laughs> "Dave, which is Tom's dad." Dave said, "If you die, I can get the Xbox." Which on, yeah, if you're from an outsider's perspective, that's probably not the thing you should be hearing or seeing when you go like, "Man, he's about to go into surgery." This is something that could potentially kill him. And this dickhead is <laughs> saying he could get his Xbox. So, but if you know us, we've all grown up together. We all lived in the same neighborhood growing up. It's funny. Tom didn't take any offense to it. No one really did, apart from Mitch, <laughs> from, what I could, from what Johnny told me. I brought Mitch up on the show before, I believe, as well. And from what I've gathered, Mitch texted Johnny about, that's not, hey, that's not cool. Johnny's like, yeah, I know it's not cool, but I've said it because it's funny. And Johnny operates like that. Johnny ain't going to take something that seriously like that because it's funnier to go the opposite direction. And I completely understand Mitch's point of that. <laughs> Man, they probably, should, probably shouldn't say it. But as someone that grew up with these two, I am well aware. And I thought it was hilarious. He posted on Instagram. I is the Is it still on there? Is it still on there? Because I want to see if Johnny's comment's still on Tom's Instagram. Let's see. I don't even remember what he po when he posted this or when it all happened. It was a few years ago. Da, 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 da. There it is. There it is. Is it on here? Oh, no, it didn't say anything. Dang it. It was from October 26, 2016. Shout out to the kids said, who said I needed to see a doctor. Man, Johnny, the comment's not there anymore. <laughs> it's not there. That is so disappointing. But yeah, it was it was a very funny experience from the outside. Because it was like, man, one, two, two totally different views of the situation that was going on. And both, from my perspective, are equally hilarious. And equally in the right as well. Because if you're going to joke around, or you could take it seriously. Either one. But the next one I want to talk about involves my friend Zach, who I went to William Penn with. And Kevin, Zach, and I, I brought up Kevin before on the show, and Zach's been on the show before with Dan a few, uh, when was that? Back in the fall, I believe. But <laughs> we were sitting at McDonald's, and Kevin's had appendicitis before. He's had his appendix burst. So Kevin is well-versed with the whole uh, appendix bursting situation, Okay. And Kevin knows what side the appendix... This is the key thing. Kevin knows what side the appendix lies on because he's had it removed. We are sitting at McDonald's. We just left the dorms. Zach drove. We didn't have our phones because from what we were told, we are going to go to McDonald's and go back. We're sitting there and Zach keeps messing with his side. And I don't remember because I'm not looking at it, but I don't remember what side the appendix lies on. But regardless, Zach was poke in the wrong side <laughs> and Kevin goes uh the, the the appendix is actually on the other side Zach and he goes I don't know man this hurts this hurts really bad and he calls his mom mom says what every mom says should probably go to the doctor probably go to the hospital so we're like oh my god okay Kevin's frustrated I'm I think it's funny little did I know we would be sitting in the hospital waiting room for about two to three hours waiting for Zach to get done. And the entire, like I said, we did not have our phones with us. We were under the influence that we were going to go to McDonald's and go straight back to the dorm room. It was all over. 
It was going to last maybe 20 minutes. Like, we can last that long without our phones. So Kevin, Zach, and I do not have our phones. Kevin and I are sitting in the waiting room of the Oskaloosa Hospital with no TV remote, with the TV on, on Disney Junior, which, for those of you unaware, there are two Disney channels, Disney and Disney Junior. Disney Junior is intended for, you know, kids that are younger than the age of seven. Disney is from, like, I don't know, 8 to 14, maybe. I don't know what the age range really lies for Disney, but I know Disney Junior is for the little kids. And Vampirina is on, which for those of you who aren't aware what Vampirina is, Vampirina is a very nice show. Very, very well-made show. Very well-animated show. I don't know if it's still on or anything. Vampirina. There it is. The first thing that popped up. It got an 82% on Google users. The 82% of Google users liked this. They had 75 episodes in three seasons. You know how good of a show you have to be to last for three seasons? Yeah, have 75 episodes. I don't know how long each episode were, but in that moment it felt like they were freaking forever. They never ended. So Vampirina, I am very well versed in Vampirina. There was a couple other shows that came on. I mean, you're sitting in a waiting room for two to three hours, you're going to get well-versed in a lot of Disney shows that you didn't really care about before. It's just what happens. You're just stuck there. And then, so Vampirina looks like it was done on June 28th, 2021. R.I.P. Vampirina. So at that point, it was brand new. It was a brand new show. So we're sitting there watching Vampirina, trying to pass the time, and the doctor comes back. And the doctor opens the door, as one does, to the waiting room and says, hey, Zach's ready to see you now. We walk back to the waiting room, and Zach's ass is sitting on the the, the the operating table. Or, like, not the operating table. You know when you get, like, a checkup and they got those, like, cushion tables and they pull the, this, I don't know what you want to call it, the wrap, the piece of paper, the parchment paper. I don't know what you call that thing. And they pull that out so you don't get germs and everything on there. He's sitting on that. And he's got, like, that... <laughs> that disappointed look. His legs are hanging off the bench. Hands are in his hands are grasped in between his legs. He's looking down. And Kevin goes to the nurse and goes, So do you have a pending verse? No. No. So I'm saying that why were we here for three hours? <laughs> two to three hours. I mean, there was nothing wrong with this guy. Now, Zach to his to defend Zach to a certain extent. Zach can lift pretty good. At the time when we were at William Penn, Zach was a left tackle. He started later in our career. Kevin ended up breaking his foot in the spring of that year. So it was all Kevin and Zach. I was in the hospital quite a bit for Kevin and Zach at that point in time. But <laughs> Zach, the, what the doctor said, he might have strained himself lifting. And that wouldn't surprise me because there was one time Zach squatted and burst all the blood vessels in his face. And his eye was like half red, like not like bloodshot, like the color red was just dominating one of his eyes. And we sat there and we were just like, man, we sat here for two hours watching Vampirina with no remote in the waiting room in the most uncomfortable chairs imaginable just for the doctor to come out two hours later and say, yeah, he's fine. There ain't nothing wrong with this kid. I was like, oh. But to be honest, it's not like we were going to do anything else anyways. So that just that just took up most of our weekend. I can't remember if it was a Saturday or a Sunday, but that took up most of that day. 
and we again no phone so we didn't no one knew where we were we could have died but thankfully we we're at the hospital so if we did come close to death we would have been fine hopefully and then the third appendix story was it's not very funny or very long but my friend Isaac this was when oh crap when was that this was years ago years years ago we were like in elementary school at the time we we're going to church camp and Isaac had appendix surgery on Friday. He got his appendix removed on Friday, okay? Monday, we're going up to Minneapolis for church camp. And we didn't, We picked him up, basically, in front of, on the highway at a rest stop close to Ankeny, because that's where he's from. But the commitment from Isaac. <laughs> I just saw Isaac last night. I was just with him at Texas Roadhouse. But we brought this story up, so it's kind of... Interesting that this story popped up today, but man, three days after surgery, he's hopping on a bus to go to <laughs> go to Minneapolis. Oh man, so those are just three stories, three at least interesting stories that I've had involving appendicitis, a burst appendix, appendectomies, all this kind of stuff. So I'm hoping that Joe Burrow comes out of this unscathed, that Joe Burrow comes out of it stronger. Because, again, it is funny to laugh about these stories because the people I'm brought up are all alive. But it is something that could kill you. Now, it's not stomach cancer. And it ain't the stomach flu. It lies somewhere in the middle of there. It's like stomach problem purgatory, pretty much. It could kill you, but the stomach flu could also kill you. In some terrible cases, of course. But, yeah, those are... <laughs> The, the Zach one really was, like, I remember, I'll never forget walking back there, just seeing him right there. And it was kind of like one of those, I'm sorry, smiles. <laughs> walked back, saw him sitting there. It's like, oh my God, this kid dragged us to the hospital. Not only, and the thing is, so for those of you out there, it's like, well, why didn't Kevin stop? We didn't have the car. Zach was driving. Kevin and I did not have cars at William Penn, so no matter how many times Kevin told me, hey, dude, it's on the other side, Zach's going to, he's driving. So he's like, we're going to the hospital. And we went, and you know what? Turns out, after two hours of medical research, the appendix lies on the other side of the body. So <laughs> there's, it's funny. I joked, I was with him on Saturday. I made fun of it on Saturday, so this isn't something that, Oh, you wouldn't say this is that. No, I've made fun of him for it numerous times. I've talked to Tom about this story. So these stories, I have talked to these people. I'm close with all these people, so I can talk about it here. But yeah, let's hope Joe Burrow makes it through. Got you, Joe. And I hope that he doesn't have an interesting experience. I hope it just goes smoothly. No problems at all. That's what we're hoping for here. But on Friday, switching gears a little bit, Still sticking with the somewhat, I guess the situation for Joe Burrow is not funny. My situation involving appendicitis and stuff is kind of funny. But Kyler Murray, <laughs> this situation all around is funny. So we talked about it on Friday. Kyler Murray is now the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Second highest in the NFL. And he has a clause in his contract. And it's on... <laughs> Player, this is on number three. So here's, they released his contract yesterday. So independent study 
addendum between Arizona Cardinals club and Kyler Murray player for the contract years 2022 to 2027 and club option for 2028. First line, player agrees to satisfy the following off-field requirements, okay? Player shall complete at least four hours of independent study as defined below each week, including any bye week during each playing season as defined below during the term of his contract. The playing season means the period beginning on the first Monday after the conclusion of training camp, as defined in Article 23, Section 10 of CBA, and ending with the last game of the club schedule, including any postseason games during each league year. Independent study means the player studies the material provided by him, to him by the club in order to prepare for the club's next upcoming game, including without limitation any such material provided via an iPad or electronic device, Time spent in mandatory meetings shall not constitute independent study. Players shall receive no credit for independent study for any period with which player does not personally study the provided material in good faith. For the avoidance of doubt, players shall not receive any credit for independent study with respect to any time period during which any material is displayed or played on an iPad or other electronic devices. If player is not personally studying or watching the material while being displayed or played, or B, so the first part that we just read was A, player is engaged in other any other activity that may distract from his attention, for example, watching television, playing video games, or browsing the internet while such material is being displayed or played. In order, in, in the event player breaches addendum in this in any respect, at the at any time during the term of contract, players shall be deemed to be in default as team as term is defined in paragraph 27 of the contract. So Kyler Murray, this is a, the, to be 100% honest, this doesn't really surprise me. He kind of seems like this type of player, just from the outside looking in. I don't know Kyler Murray personally. But on the outside looking in at Kyler Murray, he seems like a guy that does not watch film. He just goes in there and reacts to what's happening. He doesn't go in with a game plan, really. He's an ad-libber, which is fine. When you're that athletic, that talented, you can't afford to do that, Okay. And there are a lot of players like that. I'm not saying that to be a great player, you need to watch film. I mean, it helps a lot to watch film because then you're more prepared for the game and you know your opponent inside and out and stuff like that. But it does not surprise me one bit that he was not somebody, seemingly not somebody, that would be dedicated to the film room 100% of the time. He doesn't seem like that, so it doesn't surprise me that. But this is in the contract. (laughs) He is required. For four hours of independent study, no TV, no electronics, no playing video games, no internet, no nothing. Dark room, watching film by himself. So <laughs> the Cardinals were like, okay, Kyler, if uh, you're going to be with us long term, which they needed him there long term, and he wanted a big contract. He made that abundantly clear this offseason with that huge statement from his agent that I guarantee none of you read. Because I didn't read it. I, it was really long. It was kind of one of those situations was happy for you. If not, I'm sorry that it happened. Too long, didn't read, pretty much. I ain't reading that. I don't care enough. And it was involved someone on my teams. I would read it. And I don't really care about the Cardinals. I like Kyler Murray, but I could really give a rat's ass about the Arizona Cardinals. So they were like, okay, if you want this big contract, you've got to actually start watching the film. I just think it's hilarious that it got brought up like this. Like, I don't think this surprises anybody. If it does, you don't really know Kyler Murray that off that well. Dude's really talented, very athletic, 
seems to be more of a reaction guy. I'm not saying he's stupid or anything. It's clear he's not stupid. So, it's just funny that it's like this. <laughs> he's going to sit in a room by himself. Strictly watch film. And other people take to watching film easier than others. Like film, you have to dedicate a lot of time and effort into doing it, into doing it because most, more often than not, you're watching all or most of the opposing team's defensive plays for a quarterback situation, I guess. And each position is different for what you got to watch. And when you're a quarterback, you've got to know everything that is going on. you got to know everything that's going on in your team. you got to understand what's going on or could happen with the opposing team. And that's where film comes into play. But when you're super athletic, you're talented and stuff like that, you can run around with ease, I can understand to a certain extent where he'd come from and go, I don't need to watch that. Like, Vic didn't do it in his early earliest stages of his career in Atlanta. Got paid a lot of money like Kyler did. Started watching film in, Atlanta, in Philly, and, you know, he was the best quarterback of his career. At that point, most complete quarterback. I don't know which one you want to argue is the better player of the Vicks, the one in Atlanta or the one in his first year as a starter in Philly. Because that first year starter in Philly, if he was like that his entire career, we might be talking about one of the greatest of all time, but that's another story. I just think this is hilarious. Four hours uninterrupted <laughs> of film study. So he's going to have... He's, this is, Kyler Murray is not a kid. Kyler Murray is a professional athlete that is, what, 24 years old? 25 years old, 24. And he's going to have essentially a study hall for himself. I remember being at William Penn. Freshmen were required to have study halls. I hated it. You had a coach there that also didn't want to be there. So Kyler's going to be sitting there watching it, and there's probably going to be a coach or an exec or somebody keeping tabs on him to make sure he's watching film. Like he's a toddler. <laughs> Or an 18-year-old kid like we were a freshman in college. It's just funny. This is just a funny situation. And again, it's not surprising. It's really not that surprising, really. He's not a film watcher. And people can get away with that. But then you got the old heads that are coming come out of the woodworks and go like, oh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And I understand that. I understand that completely. And Kyler is going to be the best quarterback in the NFL now that he's got the talent to go along with the film watching, which he has apparently never done. So he's got six, 17 weeks of film watching because bye weeks aren't included in this. Plus whatever postseason games they make. For the Cardinals, they got one postseason game. <laughs> if that. Because they, uh, they're coached by Cliff Kingsbury. They're going to get stomped in the playoffs, especially if they don't protect Kyler. If they can't do that, Kyler's the only thing keeping Cliff Kingsbury in the job. <laughs> That's his previous relationship with Kyler is the only reason he got the job in the first place. Kyler Murray's play is the only reason Cliff Kingsbury still has a job with the Arizona Cardinals. Because I saw a graphic, and I've bashed Cliff Kingsbury for a while. I, I've never really thought Cliff Kingsbury was really good, a good coach. But, like, the dude got fired from Texas Tech. Fired. Not, he didn't move from Texas Tech to the NFL. I mean, he did, but there was another thing in there. He got fired. What other coach can you think of that has gotten fired and got a promotion at the same time? He was getting fired from Tech and going to take the offensive coordinator job. Not the head coach, the offensive coordinator job at USC. He wasn't even going to be a head coach in college. And the Cardinals were like, yeah, uh, you want to be our head coach? Like, look at this. This is, this is crazy to me. 
like Cliff Kingsbury, W's and L's by game numbers. So in the first, in games one through seven, here's his career at Tech and in the Arizona Cardinals. 2013, 7-0. That's a pretty good record. That's, you know, that's pretty good. Next year, 3-4, and four, then 5-2, and 3-4, and 4-3, and 5-2, and 3-3-1 three, three and one his first year in the NFL, then 5-2, and two, then 7-0. and oh. Those last three we mentioned were the three years with the Cardinals. All in all, combined, those games from 2013 to 2021, 42-20-1. The rest of the year, after games one through seven, he's one and five, one and four, two and four, two and three, two and four, oh and five, two and seven, three and six, and four and seven for a combined record of 17 and 45. The dude has more losses in the back half of the year than he does wins at the start of the year. Dude started 7-0 last year. 7-0 his first year at Tech. And finished with five losses in 2013 and seven losses. Now, yes, I'm aware they won eight games in 2013 and won 11 games in 20, 2021. I don't care. And this is including postseason. So if you're wondering, like, oh, Logan, the Cardinals can't finish 17 and 11 and 7 this year. There's only 17 games. Yeah, but they got shit stomped by the Rams in the playoffs. Remember that? So, yeah, I'm not a massive Cliff Kingsbury fan. And if Kyler Murray ever got hurt, I don't think they're doing anything. And he got hurt uh, during stages of, um, was it, no, two years ago when they missed the playoffs. When they started 5 and 2 and finished 3 and 6. They missed the playoffs because they lost to the Rams, I believe it was. Because they didn't make the playoffs his second year with the Cardinals. They made it last year. Or no, he missed games this year. Yeah, 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 yeah. He missed games this year. Kyler missed games. But yeah, this And they lost to the Seahawks in the last week of the season. And I don't remember what happened. There was some, some stipulation. They needed a team to lose that same week in order for them to make the playoffs. But yeah, not great. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how you can get fired and get a promotion. I said that when he first got hired, and I'm saying that four years later. Three, four years later. It doesn't make any sense to me. It does not make any sense to me. But this was around the same time that if you if Sean McVay breathed on you at any point in time, you were going to get a head coaching job. Like, Zach Taylor got a coaching job that same offseason with the Bengals. Now, granted, he went to a Super Bowl this year. So I think Zach Taylor's fine in that regard. But, man... <laughs> There were some other coaches I don't really remember in there as well, but was Kyle, did Kyle Shanahan get hired that year? I think it might have been Kyle Shanahan's first year as well. 2019? Oh, he got hired in 2017. He went to the Super Bowl in 2019. <clears throat> but everybody wanted those hot-shot young head coaches, the offensive-minded, the offensive gurus to work with the young quarterbacks. That's what they were looking for. Which I've said this before. You don't necessarily need an offensive-minded head coach to have a good young quarterback. Like, there's a lot of really good defensive-minded head coaches in the NFL right now that uh, have very good quarterbacks and have built really good relationships with their starting quarterbacks. The Bills is a prime example of that. The Baltimore Ravens is another example of that. John Harbaugh, defensive-minded guy. Like, Sean McDermott, defensive-minded guy. There's some good, good, good defensive-minded head coaches that got some good... Good, good, young quarterbacks. Now, again, it does 
people want to go. You've got the offensive-minded guy, defensive-minded. Because there's other examples, I know. But there's example, there's exceptions to every rule, okay? Like John Fox and Mitch Trubisky. Didn't work out, but John Fox also didn't want Mitch Trubisky. So there's that, <laughs> that problem there. Brian Flores and Tua. Brian Flores did not want Tua. He wanted Justin Herbert. Made that abundantly clear. And they drafted Tua. And there's been things that popped about Tua recently as well. And then we mentioned two quarterbacks here that I want to talk about here in a little here a bit. I guess we'll start with Tua, I guess. Or do we want to start with Lamar? Let's start with Lamar. I mean, we're talking about Kyler Murray. If Kyler, so Kyler Murray gets this massive contract. Massive. So massive that it's the second highest contract in the league. Second highest paid quarterback in the NFL. So the deals for Mahomes and Josh Allen look like freaking bargains at this point. Because Kyler Murray is getting paid. And I don't want to take anything away from Kyler Murray. I think he's very talented. But a second highest paid quarterback in the NFL. So if he's paid X amount, okay, then someone like Lamar Jackson, who I think is better than Kyler Murray, and I think most people out there believe he's better than Kyler Murray, apart from probably Cardinals fans. So Lamar Jackson, you one would, lo- I think... I could be way off on this. Lamar Jackson still hasn't signed a contract yet. With Kyler Murray signing this contract, I think, again, this could be way wrong. I'm open to being wrong about this. I've always said this. I'm open to being wrong. If I'm wrong, I'll admit it. But if I believe I'm right, you ain't convincing me. But I think Lamar Jackson will probably, I don't want to guarantee this, but probably be the first $50 million quarterback in the NFL. I think. Because if you look at Kyle, I want to see the Kyler Murray contract comparatively to the other. There was one. I think it's Aaron Rodgers is the only higher quarterback than him. I think. Oh, there was a graphic that popped up on Twitter the other day, and I'm trying to find it, but I don't know where it is. Come on. I think it's Rod. I'm gonna. Look, I'm just gonna look up NFL contracts and highest paid NFL players. Hold on. I thought I could find it on Twitter, but I can't. I can't really find it. So Deshaun Watson's at through two hundred thirty million. Oh no. Okay. So highest paid average per year. Okay. Rodgers is fifty million. Fifty point two. I think, just based off what Kyler got, I think Lamar will probably be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL when he signs his contract. I think. I could be wrong about that. But when you look at the other quarterbacks that have signed this, I'm not saying he's better than Rodgers, but Kyler Murray is not the second-best quarterback in the NFL. Rodgers is, at this point in time, to most people, the best quarterback in the NFL. But again, the thing is, with these contracts, it's all about importance to the team. So, like, people can freak out about these contracts, but, like, it's importance to the So, like, in, just in soccer terms. Like, you'll see players go for $200 million. Neymar went for $180, $200 million a few years ago. Or $220 million, sorry. That's not what Neymar is getting. Neymar is getting... That's the transfer fee for Neymar because that's what Barcelona at the time valued him at. So your contract that you get, yes, the player's going to negotiate, but the teams are only going to pay you what they value you at. There's at a certain point where contracts ain't going to be signed again. So they value a lot, like the Cardinals do with Kyler, like the Bills do with Josh Allen, the Chiefs, Mahomes, Rodgers, even Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, who's got the highest paid money um, for total guaranteed money for 230 mil, which is a lot more 
then the second best guy at 160 million, which is Kyler Murray. And Deshaun Watson's highest pay, the third highest three-year average per year. But I guess wait a minute, hold on. What's that's this three-year three-year basis? Okay, whatever. It's still the same thing. But yeah, it's just crazy that money, like Kyler. If the Cardinals weren't desperate, I don't know if they would sign that contract. But what other options do they really have? It's the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals, throughout NFL history, are one of the oldest franchises in the league. And until Kurt Warner led them to the Super Bowl in 2010, they had never been to a Super Bowl. That franchise has moved around like four or five times and has sucked every single place they've gone. Until Kurt Warner got there. And then after Kurt Warner, they went back to the same old Cardinals thing. Like, their biggest highlight, arguably, is when they knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs. Back in the day. When they had Dante Culpepper and Randy Moss and all those guys. Like, Kyler Murray is the best they can do at this point in time. So, Kyler's going to get that contract because that's, that's what the Cardinals value him at. And when you have a quarterback that signs... Or just any player that signs. You see Christian Kirk do that this offseason with his massive contract. The next player resets the market, essentially. So you saw Mahomes sign, then Josh Allen signed, and then you got Deshaun Watson signing, and you got Kyler Murray signing. Everything's gone up, I guess. But Josh is a little bit less than Mahomes, on average, anyways. Like, about $2 million apart from them. So, yeah. It's just crazy. But Lamar... Again, I brought this up on Friday. I think Lamar, given his inconsistencies as a passer, which isn't even that inconsistent to be 100% honest with you. It's not like every other throw is a question mark on where he's going. He has no wide receivers. The offense runs through Lamar Jackson. They had an injury riddled backfield. J.K. Dobbins got hurt in preseason, and then Gus Edwards got hurt like two days later or something like that. Like they had no running backs at a certain point. It's Lamar and Mark Andrews. His left tackle doesn't even play. Ronnie Stanley gets hurt all the time. They had D.J. Fluker starting at tackle for them. Like, Lamar, for how good the Ravens have been throughout their existence, their roster, when they got hurt, their secondary got banged up as well. They had no corners, no safeties towards the end of the year. Gave it the most yards in the league on average and yards passing-wise. Like, they need Lamar in there. Like, everybody wants to go, oh, Tyler Huntley could do this. No, no. I don't think Tyler Huntley's peaks the second every NAMS MVP, in, or I guess third at this point, because Lamar's already second in the NAMS. So I think Kyler, Lamar really could be the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL when it's all said and done. I really think he could. Deserving? I don't know. It just depends on what the Ravens value him at, I guess, and what money he's going to ask for. Because all you can do is ask. And when you're a player that gets that kind of money, you're you're gonna you're stupid to say no. You get paid. Now, there's some players that there's some egregious amounts. So you only offered me $43 million, I need $46 million and stuff like that. There are some people like that, but you're stupid to not accept that original offer unless you're guaranteeing to get more. But, but, even though... I believe there's a real, real chance that Lamar is, at some point, the highest-paid player in the NFL. Lamar, unfortunately, regardless of how good he's actually playing, is going to be, consistently, one of the most polarizing... Not polarizing, because he's not really out there. Polarizing in the, the minds of the fans, I guess. 
And when I say polarizing, that might not be the best word to use because, again, he's not really flashy like that. He's not really on social media all that often, at least. I follow him on Twitter, and he's usually just quote-tweeting and retweeting things. He's not really saying a lot of things on social media. He's a pretty reserved guy. Polarizing in the fact that people either like him, apparently, or they hate him. And I don't know why. Lamar has had no reason, really... To be a hated character in the NFL. I really don't know what he's done to this point to be considered a hated player. But if I had to rank like the most hated players and the most talked about players in the league, I I think Lamar might be number one. I really do. And it, it's surprising that that works out like that. But like today, I was on ESPN, or on ESPN, I was on Twitter an NFL on ESPN tweeted out a defensive coordinator was quoted in saying this about Lamar. I don't care if he wins MVP 12 times. I don't think he'll ever be a one as a quarterback. Well, 12 MVPs to whoever this guy is, that would be an NFL record by some amount. So if you don't think he's going to be the best quarterback in the league if he has 12 MVPs to his name, that's a little crazy. That's a little, that's a little crazy. I think the record's five. So yeah, that'd be pretty blowing that out of the water. So I think once you got to like, I don't know, if you win an MVP multiple times, I think at some point you were the best player in the NFL. Like that's usually what the award entails. So when Lamar won the MVP in, I think, 2019, I'm pretty confident he was the best player in the NFL that year. I'm pretty confident in saying that. So he was the best quarterback in the NFL because he was the best player. So it doesn't really make any sense. And I brought this up with Zach Wilson when we were talking about the draft back in 2021. There was the people that were coming out, the unnamed scout, or the unnamed this, the unnamed that. We have the unnamed defensive coordinator. Unnamed NFL defensive coordinator. Mystery guy. You know how crazy it is how tough people get behind the, the mask, I guess? Being behind the mask of social media or off-the-cuff interviews or off the, off the keep this off the record. Like Richard Sherman, he Lamar Jackson liked this tweet. That's how I saw it. I don't follow Richard Sherman on Twitter. But Richard Sherman said everybody is bold off the record. Yeah, that's true. I don't know why that's the case. Well, I know why it's the case. There's no repercussions. No one knows who said it. Like Zach Wilson, there was unnamed source that hate his character. Oh, he's rich, so he's an asshole. Oh, there's this. All unnamed. We have character issues from unnamed guy bashing dude's character. Okay, that's cool. Because doesn't it say a little bit something about your character when you're bashing someone else's character when you're off the record bashing them? That's basically talking shit behind their back. Why would you do that? If you're going to have something to say like that, then say it to dude's face. If you don't think Lamar Jackson is this as a quarterback, say it to his face. Like, don't go off the record and say it. It's a little pansy-ish, if I put it lightly. Like, you have something to say, don't beat around the bush about it. I don't care if he wins MVP 12 times. I don't think he'll ever be a number one quarterback. Be a one as a quarterback. I don't even know what that means. Because again, if you win MVP, you're the best at your play. You're the best player. You're the best at your position. You're X, Y, and Z. All these different things. That doesn't make any sense. Again, Lamar is inconsistent as a passer. Sure. There's a lot of quarterbacks in the league right now that are inconsistent in some way or form. Almost every quarter, no quarterback in the league is perfect. No quarterback in the league is perfect. Some, All quarterbacks will make a stupid decision at some point, some just less than others. And for what Lamar lacks, real, I mean, lacks is a really strange way to put it, 
quote-unquote lacks as a passer, he makes up for being the most electrifying player on the field at all times. There's not a single player in the NFL that can match what Lamar does. Not a single one. Not a single one. And I don't think he had the best year last year. He didn't. There were a lot of interceptions last year. There were 13 picks in like 14 games or something like that. A lot of interceptions. But no quarterback's going to be outrunning defensive backs. And Lamar's not small either. Lamar's like six foot two, six three, two hundred pounds. He ain't tiny. Isn't like a Tyree Killer, Kyler Murray sized player running around. Oh, he's big. He's jumping over people. He he did a front flip into the end zone, hurt himself, but did a front flip into the end zone against the Kansas City Chiefs last year. Like, I don't care what he does as a thrower. In all honesty. Because he can make plays in other ways. If you're a pocket passer and super inconsistent, then yeah, that's all you can do. Like I've I made that's what we said about Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield cannot move like Lamar Jackson can. So when Baker Mayfield has inconsistencies passing the ball, which he did, no, I know there was an injury involved, but even before the injury, he was inconsistent as a passer. But he can't do anything that Lamar can. Lamar can do everything and more of what Baker can do. Like, that's just how it works. If you're a guy like Baker or a guy like, I don't know, Daniel Jones. Well, Daniel Jones can move a little bit, but he cannot. He's all mental, turnovers all the time. Uh, what's the other quarterback that I can? No, Tua, okay, Tua. When you have these inconsistencies as a passer, then yes, I'm going to be a little more critical on that than I am of Lamar because Lamar can do so many other things. Like, I would love to see a two attack of Iola highlight in the NFL of him causing two defenders to turn the opposite direction when he spun the other way. Two professional athletes on a 60-something yard touchdown run against the Cincinnati Bengals when he won MVP. There was a game last year, I believe, I think it was against the Titans, I think, where a sack, like a 10-15 yard sack, turned into a rushing touchdown for Lamar. I don't remember what game that was. I'm going to try and find it. Because I remember watching that with my dad, and I was like, there's no other player that can do that. There's no one else that can do that. Like, I say this all the time with things Josh Allen does. I don't think there's anything that he, that other players can do that Josh Allen can. Like, for how great Lamar is, Lamar ain't stiff arm and defensive linemen, stiff arm and defensive ends. He doesn't have the arm Josh Allen does. Turned it over less than Josh, but played less games and had an insanely less amount of touchdowns. Like, do I think Josh is better than Lamar Jackson? Yes, I do. But, like, the game, it was in the playoffs, 2020. Playoffs in 2020. He had a 48-yard touchdown run. That looked like it was dead in the water from the start. And he turned it into a touchdown. Outran everybody. Finished the game with 136 yards. Next closest guy with J.K. Dobbins was 43. This offense, the Ravens offense, runs through Lamar Jackson. People want to say he's a system quarterback. The Ravens didn't have this offense before Lamar. This is what I hate about the term system quarterback. Lamar Jackson in Baltimore is the system. Okay? They, they, won, they went to a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. They didn't have this system. The system is new to Baltimore, as it is to Lamar Jackson. They made this whole offense for Lamar Jackson because of what he can do. So, the system quarterback thing, 
like, oh, he couldn't work in the Patriots system. He couldn't work in this. No, you adjust because of the players. The players make the system. Look at what the Patriots did. People want to call people that hate on Tom Brady want to bash Tom Brady because he's system quarterback. Look what happened when Tom Brady left. And they went what six and ten, seven and nine. Cam Newton had less touch, had six touchdowns, seven touchdowns, was the second least amount of touchdowns by a starting quarterback who played sixteen games since Trent Dilfer when he had four. Like the system, the players make the system. The system's all fine and dandy, but without the players, your system ain't working. This system doesn't work with, I don't know, Mac Jones. The Baltimore Ravens running offense, the way it is working right now, would not work without Lamar. It could work with three other quarterbacks. Maybe four. All right, so three other ones. I was including Lamar in that. Three other quarterbacks. And those are Josh, Kyler, and Jalen Hurts. No other quarterback could work in this system. And I think that is why... Lamar will may be the highest paid player in the NFL at some point. I think that will happen. I do think that will happen. And Ryan Clark on ESPN. I really like listening to Ryan Clark. I brought up the other week that we listened to, I was listening to the pivot recently, his new podcast with Fred Taylor and Channing Crowder. Stupid people say stupid things. Yeah. It's a stupid saying. Cause if you win two MVPs, you're a pretty good quarterback, pretty good football player. Like the people that said he should move to wide receiver. Why? Lamar Jackson won a Heisman as a quarterback. He put up good passing numbers. It wasn't that he was just strictly running or coming from a triple option offense. Like when Navy, Keenan Reynolds came to the NFL, Keenan Reynolds had to move to wide receiver. Why? Because he wasn't throwing the ball. He was running a triple option offense. You run triple option offenses, you're probably going to switch positions as a quarterback. Eric Crouch won a Heisman trophy in Nebraska. Running the triple option, wing T offense. Moved to safety because he wasn't going to play quarterback at the next level because he never really needed to throw the ball. He was a running quarterback. Lamar Jackson put up really nice numbers throwing the ball in college. So that was just stupid. But the dude the dude can play. The dude can flat out play. I don't care what anybody really says about his inconsistent throw. The dude is a football player first. The dude can absolutely play. And yes, stupid people say stupid things. And for someone to come out off the record or behind the curtain or whatever and go, man, this guy sucks. That's essentially what he say. He say Lamar Jackson sucks. That's really big of you, man. It's really big of you. That's <laughs> really, really cool. Yeah, that was definitely that was definitely productive. Thank you for coming out with that. Great work. Great work out of you. I don't know who that is, but it was, <laughs> it was reported by The Athletic. NFL defensive coordinator. I don't know who it is, but NFL defensive coordinator is, uh, yeah. And speaking of, like, so, oh, yeah, I should probably do this first. Uh, should I do it second? I, I want to, I said I was going to bring up Tua, but man, okay. So, Tyreek Hill essentially said Tua is the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. I'm getting sick and tired of hearing from Tyreek Hill this offseason. <laughs> I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Tyreek Hill, in my opinion, is a top three wide receiver in the NFL. There is not a single player out wide that can cut and juke and move the way he does at wide receiver. Not a single one. I think he's a top three wide out, pushing top five. Like, if you want to be that kind of guy, top five. But I think he, I think he's guaranteed top three. I think Devontae Adams is better. I might have him at number two. I think Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the NFL, but Tyreek Hill at number two or three 
Madden ranks at Cooper Cup, which is fair. Do won the Triple Crown, so it makes sense that they'd have him as a 98 overall. But get the mic away from Tyreek Hill, please. Please. He's on first take. The most accurate quarterback in the NFL is Tua. I don't care. <laughs> Stop. Stop it, Tyreek. The most accurate quarterback in the NFL, to me, is Aaron Rodgers. Okay? So, I don't, <laughs> I don't care. I am tired of hearing from Tyreek Hill. I'm tired of hearing about how awesome Tua is. How accurate he is. How he does all these awesome things with the football in his hands. I do not care. I do not care. I think the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL are the likes of Burrow, Rodgers, like Tom Brady. I would put him up there. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't care. Stop bringing him up. I, I don't want to hear about it anymore. He ain't compared to Patrick Mahomes. He ain't the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. He's accurate. I'll give him that. But that sure as hell don't make up for the total lack of arm strength he has, which I'm not saying is the most important thing in the world. Tom Brady don't have the strongest arm in the world. But come on. He ain't the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. He's a fine quarterback. He, he might start after this year. Is that what you want me to say? He might start after this year. Congratulations. Do I still do? Do I imagine every single person in the Dolphins organization, apart from possibly Steven Ross, thinks that they should draft Justin Herbert? Yes. I think every time you watch Justin Herbert throw for 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns, break every single rookie passing record last year or two years ago, and be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. I think when they watch two at practice and go, man, we could have had that guy who's accurate and has a strong arm. Uh, yeah, I'd be a little upset as well. I'd be, <laughs> I don't, I really have nothing personal against Tua. I mean, he plays for the Dolphins, so I'm automatically just not going to like him in general. I, Bills fan, Dolphins don't get along. But Tua can't touch the Bills. That's the problem. Like, I Get the mic away from Tyreek Hill. And speaking of Aaron Rodgers, I saw this on, a, on Instagram. We're kind of just bouncing all over the place, but it's kind of fun. What is more likely to happen? TJ Watt gets three straight sack titles or Aaron Rodgers gets three straight MVP awards? I think the one that's more likely is TJ Watt. Okay? I think there's a lot more candidates for MVP than there are for people that are going to lead the league in sacks. And I know you can game plan for a guy in the NFL sack-wise. You can stack the box or you can... You can put an extra tight end. You could have the running back come over and block. You can add extra blockers. You can do whatever to prevent him from getting to the quarterback. But T.J. Watt did this last year. He did it this year. Like, I don't really think there's anything that's going to stop T.J. Watt from getting to the quarterback. Now, he might not lead. I, I don't know. It's I hate these types of things. But he just tied the NFL record for sacks in a season with 22 and a half. He had 15 the season prior. Like this year, yes, Robert Quinn was right behind him with 18 and a half. I don't think Robert Quinn's going to get that again. I could be wrong, but I don't think he's going to get 18 and a half sacks again. Bosa's back, both Bosa's. You got Miles Garrett there. Like, there's some good edge rushers in here. There's some good ones. But I think with the MVP race, you've got likes of Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert. Brady's going to still be mentioned up there. Like, you've got Lamar. You've got Russell Wilson. You got a lot of players compete. I don't. I think both are damn near impossible. I just think that the DJ Watt one, just given how, I don't know. We'll see how Rodgers does without Devontae Adams. That's, I mean, I know Rodgers going to be fine. I know Rodgers going to be fine. He, had, he was perfectly fine without Devontae Adams before. 
he'll be good without Devontae Adams as well. MVP though, that's that's the thing. I'm just I don't know. I really don't know. Cause I think Josh Allen's gonna win MVP this year. So I don't and that's biased. Yes, I'm well aware that's extremely biased, but that's I I am more confident on saying Josh Allen's gonna win MVP than Miles Garrett's gonna lead the league in sacks. So that's kind of my thought process there. Oh my goodness. I'm just I'm getting tired of this Tua stuff. It's just bothering me. <laughs> it's just bothering me. And speaking of Devontae Adams. Uh, Chris Sims, he has a lot of lists. Chris Sims makes lists, a lot of lists. This is Chris Sims' top five wide receivers. Now, I do think there's an important caveat here that it was um, receivers going into the season. So I don't know if it's his top five receiver. It's revealed my top five wide receivers in the NFL in today's pod. NFL is stacked with top-tier wideouts, but these guys are true game-changers in my eyes. Okay, so... His list, I really don't have, like, the receivers in today's game are all awesome. There's a good receiver ascent almost on every team. There's at least a guy with talent. Like, even the Falcons, for their lack of receiving depth, they do have Drake London. They do have, I know he's a tight end, but Kyle Pitts. Like, they have some sort of talent out there. So, like, any list of wide receivers, I could, I'm not really going to be too fussed about. But, like... It, it does it does spring some questions here. So number one, Jamar Chase. Two, Debo Samuel. Three, Tyreek Kill. Four, Justin Jefferson. Five, Cooper Cup. I think Devontae Adams is number one. I've stated that numerous times. I think Jamar Chase is extremely underrated in Madden. He got like an 87 rating in Madden. 87. For the guy that just broke all of the receiving records that were set the previous year while going to the Super Bowl. Like I remember, I'll never forget this because it's one of my prouder moments as a podcast host, saying that they should draft Jamar Chase over Panay Sewell. And I know Joe Burrow's getting beat up. I'm well aware of that. I'm well aware of that. Dude's got appendicitis. I don't know. He's, he's battling his own things right now, let alone getting hit all the time. But, like, if it was any other quarterback, I would have been saying, yeah, take Panay Sewell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you didn't watch, apparently didn't watch what these two did at LSU. Like, the, the example I always use with this, and I was talking to my dad about this last night because I brought this up to him. I was like, when Justin Jefferson came into the NFL, Justin Jefferson was a baller. Justin Jefferson broke every single rookie receiving record. Justin Jefferson was the only person to take MVP Rookie of the Year votes away from Justin Herbert. Like, awesome rookie year. Did people forget that Jamar Chase was the main guy on the LSU roster for receivers? I think that's what just people just bat- went over their heads because he sat out a year. I remember seeing the graphics of, like, Panay Sewell, zero drops. Jamar Chase, five, or whatever, at the preseason, because he was dropping everything in the preseason. And I, I remember bringing it up. It was like, okay, Jamar Chase, zero sacks allowed. Panay Sewell, X amount of sacks allowed. Like, Jamar, I can guarantee Jamar Chase ever gonna allow, ever ain't ever going to allow a sack. I can guarantee you that. So if you want to use stupid examples like, oh, he has this many drops, Sewell doesn't have any drops. Well, Jamar Chase never allowed a sack. So his sack record is pretty perfect at this point in time. And Jamar Chase, a game changer. Jamar Chase, a game changer. And I was still even stuck last, that 2021 draft between Sewell and Rashawn Slater. Like, if I go back to my prospect rankings during the 2021 NFL draft, I had them 1A, 1B as tackles. I was clear in my Jamar Chase thing. Like, my receivers, the top three receivers in the draft, I was pretty set on of Chase, Waddle, Devontae Smith. I was pretty set on that. So there was nothing really that was going to change my mind about that. So, 
like here, I've got my top 10 prospects in every position in the draft. So yeah, I had, I, and this is the final one that I made right before the 2021 NFL draft. I had it, Panay Sewell 1A, Rashawn Slater 1B. I was not confident in that. I wasn't con- I was like, I don't know if Sewell's really that much better than Rashawn Slater. At this point in the NFL, I think Rashawn Slater's better. I mean, that doesn't really say a whole lot. I mean, Rashawn Slater made a Pro Bowl this year. One of the best tackles in the NFL currently. But I was not set on that. I was not set on that whatsoever, that he was that much better or a quote-unquote can't-miss prospect, which also bothers me because every prospect to miss. Certain situations can cause prospects to miss. That's just natural. That can happen. But, like, this draft was a fun draft. Very fun draft. So, like, back to Chris Sims' thing real quick. Then we'll go back to the 2021 draft because there's something that popped up with that today. Do I have a problem with him listing Jamar Chase the number one receiver in the NFL? Not really. Like, I'm not going to get mad about Jamar Chase being number one because I think Jamar Chase is extremely talented. Jamar Chase broke every single rookie receiving record this year. Jamar Chase ranked in the top five receiving yards as a rookie. Jamar Chase had 98 less receiving yards than Devontae Adams as a rookie. So I don't really have an issue with it, but I do think, I don't think he's the number one guy in the NFL. And for Debo Samuel, his numbers in regards to receiving are 1,405. He ranked fifth in the NFL in receiving yards last year, but he did so much more than that. Debo Samuel and Jonathan Taylor carried my team to a fantasy football championship game this year. I say game because I didn't win, but... They carried me there because Debo Samuel was the wide back. And he coined that phrase. So the fact that he was all pissed off about it this offseason was really surprising. But yeah, I have no issue with him being in top five. Tyreek Hill, we've already mentioned him. Justin Jefferson, dog. Like, he's just a baller. I'll never forget watching that 2021 NFL draft, or 2020 NFL draft. And I remember hearing beforehand, before the draft, that the Eagles were going to take Jalen Rager. They liked Jalen Rager a lot. But my mindset was, oh, they're going to trade back. Because, or Justin Jefferson's not going to be, or they don't think he's available. I was like, if Justin Jefferson's available, they're going to take him. You can't pass on Justin Jefferson for Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager's just another Nelson Aguilar. Questionable hands really fast. You just got rid of him. And then they actually took him over Justin Jefferson. When you're just looking at the college stuff, what the hell did he do over Justin Jefferson for being fast? I remember Justin Jefferson, he didn't run a four-something 40. He wasn't going to go in the first round. As a top five wide receiver in the NFL craziness craziness and then number five cooper cup i mean again we already talked about the triple crown thing i have no issues really with this top five no real issues okay is it out there yes is it gonna drive up clicks yes one because Devonte adams not even listed in the top five let alone not being number one yeah that's gonna drive some clicks up if i had to make my list for the top five wide receivers in the nfl be Devonte. Tyreek Hill, based off last year, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Debo. That would be my top five. I think Diggs is right out there. Justin Jefferson's right out there. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was hurt all last year, but he's up there when he's all 100% healthy. I'm missing some big-name receivers here. I know it, but there's some good wide receivers in the NFL. Very good wide receivers in the NFL. Like you didn't mention Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's definitely up there. He's a baller. C.D. Lamb's going to be really good this year, again, with especially without Amari Cooper there. Uh, a lot of people really like Darnell Mooney from Chicago. A lot of people really like Darnell Mooney. I like Terry McLaurin. 
Hunter Renfro is a very talented wide receiver, one of the best route runners in the NFL, especially from the slot. Mike Evans, Julio, who just signed with the Buccaneers this year on a one-year deal. Like You had told me a few years ago that I would ever see Mike Evans and Julio Jones playing together with Tom Brady as the quarterback of that team. I would have called you freaking crazy. I would have never believed that in 100 years. But Julio is down in Tampa now, which doesn't really surprise me because Julio, at his peak, was the best receiver in the NFL. Julio was awesome. Everybody liked Julio Jones. Guaranteed Hall of Famer. Guaranteed Hall of Famer. But man, I remember I saw that and I was like, do I really have like a, oh my God, I cannot believe that Jamar Chase is number one, Devo's number two. No, I, I can understand why he has them up there. Do I think Jamar Chase is the best at this point in time? Again, I don't think so, but I can understand your argument. I mean, he came in the league, broke every single record, had for 1,455 yards, was a huge cog in a Super Bowl runner-up team. Yeah, I can kind of understand where he's coming from that. Though I might not 100% agree with it, I can slightly understand where my guy is coming from. And I had something else here. Oh, yeah, Trey Lance is the starting quarterback for the 49ers officially, so give Trey Lance a round of applause. So I was like, I was going to have – I had something I wanted to talk about here, but I don't really remember what it was. No, Trey Lance, 2021 draft pick, third overall pick, two picks before Jamar Chase, is officially official. He is the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, which was – Long time coming. We knew this was happening all offseason. They made it abundantly clear this was the plan when they drafted him. They were going to have a sit a year and then take over in the year. That was the plan. And I know a lot of people, like with the Jordan Love situation, they they apparently wanted to do that as well. And this is all coming off the Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes thing. And where they had Alex Smith play a year and then Mahomes sat, played one game, and then started the next year, one MVP through 50 touchdowns. That was the plan. That is easy to do. When you have someone like Alex Smith or Jimmy Garoppolo, it's a little hard to do when you have Aaron Rodgers. A little hard to do that when you have Aaron Rodgers. So when people bash Jordan Love, I feel I have a soft spot for Jordan Love at this point. I don't know why because I don't really care about the Packers. I do like Jordan Love. I liked him when he came out of college. But the people that bash Jordan Love, I mean, he's sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. He's not sitting – if he was sitting behind Jimmy Garoppolo this entire time, then, yeah, I can understand why people are like, man, he's not that good. This guy went back-to-back MVPs. He ain't breaking in front of Aaron Rodgers anytime soon. Aaron Rodgers sat for three years. Phillip Rivers sat for two or three years. Like, all these – there's a lot of quarterbacks throughout NFL history. There's some that have come through and started right away, done really well, like Justin Herbert. Steve Young didn't start right away when he got – to the NFL, when he got to the 49ers. He started when he was on a bad Tampa Buccaneers team, got traded to the Niners, and was back up to Joe Montana. He didn't play for a while. He had a high expectation for Steve Young, for what he did in college, what he did in the XFL, or the XFL, the USFL. The XFL is coming back next year, so another awesome spring league that we're going to have to treat to. I have not watched a single, I've watched one half of a USFL game and then started getting on my computer. It's boring. It's really boring. I understand that these markets are like, oh, man, we're going to – people love football. They're going to watch it. No, I, I, I don't. I don't care. I don't really care. They've tried it three years in a row. None of them have been that entertaining. The first week of the AAF and the first week of the XFL were fun. The first, I did not watch – I didn't even remember who was on. I watched one game on accident just because I was, a, I was bored – I was scrolling through the channels like, oh, there's the USFL games. The Houston, no, it was the the Birmingham the the the, the Birmingham Stallions. 
Ah, oh, crap. Who was the other team? It might have been the Houston Generals because that was the team that I quote-unquote chose because Jim Kelly played there. And they're all playing in Birmingham. They're not even in their own cities. But they're going to do that. The XFL is going to do that next year. They announced their teams, which is pretty much all the same teams as last year. But back to the product at hand, congratulations to Trey Lance. I mean, named the starting quarterback. Very impressive stuff. I think if Trey Lance meets his potential, reaches his ceiling, he will be the best quarterback out of this draft class. I said that when he got drafted. I still stand firm on that because I think he is the most talented quarterback. He was coming from a small school, FCS school, sat out the year before because FCS football was moving their schedule this spring, which was very weird. But they played two. He played one game. It was a show-me game against Central Arkansas, and he threw a pick. His first ever turnover in college. Threw like 20-something touchdowns, no picks in college. 2,700, 2,800 yards passing, 1,000 yards rushing, like, at 6'4", 215, 220 pounds, cannon for an arm, inconsistent at times throwing the ball, but cannon for an arm. He's going to be fun. He's going to be really fun. He's got George Kittle. He plays for Shanahan, so you know the run game is going to be involved. He's got Debo Samuel. He's got a solid offensive line with the best left tackle in the game right behind his blind side on Trent Williams. Like, he's going to – everything is set up for Trey Lance to succeed right away. Am I saying that he's going to win an MVP in his second year like Lamar and Patrick Mahomes did? No, I'm not saying that. But I think the Niners will be better than what they were last year. I do think they'll be better than what they were last year. I really like Trey Lance. I'm really excited to see what he does. I'm really excited. Oh, man. Football's fun. Football's fun. And it, my dad and I were talking about this today. It's like we're getting closer and closer to football season. The more and more I see things of like training camp and all these different things, the more excited I get. It's exciting stuff. I don't care if we're in freaking July right now. This is the last month without college football or NFL. It is awesome. We're 50, we're 40-something days away from the first game of the NFL season between the Rams and Bills. That is going to be awesome. Did I ever think when I was growing up I'd see the Bills open the season with the reigning Super Bowl champions and actually have a chance at winning the game? When I was younger and they played the reigning Super Bowl champions, it was a bloodbath. I'm not going to go in and watch Trent Edwards get his head ripped off by the opposing Super Bowl champions because 90% of the time was the Patriots. That's what it felt like. I know it's not 90% of the time. They won six Super Bowls in my life, though, so I, it feels like that. But, man, it's fun. I, it's fun. And, I mean, I was kind of loosely planning to have a mock draft ready for today. Loosely. Very loosely. Very loosely. Like, we had the prospect rankings come out on Friday, last Friday, so if you haven't checked those out, go ahead and check those out on the LoganBlackmanShow.com. You can scroll down to the main page, click the link there, or go to the blog page on the the search bar up top, or the, the, the task bar, I guess, and you can find it there. So if you haven't checked that out, go ahead and do that. But I don't know when the mock draft will be out. I do want to release one maybe the 1st of August. I feel like the 1st of August maybe one, so we got next Monday. So next Monday might be one. We'll have to wait and see on that. But time will tell. Time will tell. I, I might have it out on Friday. I might. I severely doubt it, but we might have one out on Friday. But I'm done talking about football right now. I want to talk about something. This is the sad thing today. The sad part. And I hate that this is happening. And uh, we did this last year. We did this last year. You know me, you know my talk, you know exactly what we're going to talk about. The Chicago Cubs are trading Ian Happ. It's maybe trading Ian Happ, but they're trading Willis Contreras. 
It looks like Ian Happ's gone too. The third richest team in baseball. And this is what pissed me off today. I saw a graphic, and I already knew this, but the graphic sealed it in. I think it was the MLB's official Twitter account. They posted three teams, the three best teams in baseball. You want to know who they were? You want to take a guess who they were? Well, if you would look at the who's the highest, who's the richest team in baseball, top three, you would think it's those three. Well, you'd be right with two of them. The third one's the Astros. Now, when you look at stuff like that, and you have a team like the Cubs, who are, for lack of a better, like, you can make fun of this all you want. I don't care. They're an historic franchise. They're one of the most popular sports teams in America. Regardless of baseball, whatever sport, the Cubs are one of the most popular teams in sports. Regardless of how much they've won throughout their existence. Like they went 108 years without winning a World Series, and in that entire time, they were still one of the most popular teams in sports. Third richest team in baseball. And this is different than in other sports. Like, the NFL is a salary cap. Baseball does not, okay? And there's certain stretches where teams can be bad. Like, teams are bad sometimes. But they blew it up. Three years, four years after the World Series. Like, destroyed it, blew it up. Which was anticipated at the point last year. And going into the season, Contreras was the only one. Contreras and Hap. But even at that point, Hap was coming off a nice second half of the season. But no one expected him to continue that going into this this season. It's like, oh, nice role player. Utility guy. No, he's a left fielder that made an all-star team this year. Contreras is the best catcher in the National League. You are not going to find, for the Chicago Cubs, a better player to build this new core around than Wilson Contreras. I don't care what the hell you get for Wilson Contreras. You are not going to find somebody like Contreras. And the thing that's consistent, what sucks about all of this, dating back to last year, None of these players wanted to leave. None of these players wanted to leave. Bryant cried. Rizzo cried. Contreras cried today. These guys did not want to leave the Chicago Cubs. They broke a 108-year drought of a World Series, without a World Series, and have become some of the greatest players in the organization's history. Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, the face of the franchise. Rizzo was on a 100-loss team, was on the team that won the World Series. Bryant was an MVP in Chicago. Battled a bunch of injuries. Baez was the most exciting player in baseball when he was on the Cubs. Should have won an MVP, apart from Yelich doing what he did. And Contreras, the eighth Cub to start three All-Star games. Through the... 100-plus years of the Chicago Cubs' existence, the thir- the eighth or ninth player in Cubs history start three All-Star games. The greatest catcher in Chicago Cubs history. You can make arguments for Rizzo, Baez, and Bryant in the history of the Cubs. You can make those arguments. Contreras is undoubtedly the greatest Chicago Cubs catcher of all time. I don't know who else you would put in that category. Defensively, Batting, whatever. No one beats Contreras. If you're making an all-time Chicago Cubs team, Contreras is at the backstop. And you can make arguments for the other two. 
Baez is probably least likely of those three to break in. Bryant's not very likely to break in either because Ernie Banks at shortstop, Ron Santos at third. And you got Ryan Sandberg. What did I say at third? Ron Santo. I feel like I said Ryan Sandberg. Ron Sandberg. Ryan, San, Ryan Sandberg is at second. So it's hard for Baez and Bryant to break into those spots. You're not going to find another Wilson Contreras. I don't care if you want to get prospects for him. You're not going to find someone like that. He wants to stay. He's made that abundantly clear. Baez wanted to stay. They were five seconds away from signing a contract, and then COVID happened. Rizzo did not want to leave. Bryant cried in the dugout when he got traded. Probably a mixture of emotions. Sadly, he was leaving, but finally relieved that was all over. The whole situation was just over. Like the Cubs, you're going to get somebody that you hope develops into that. The thing is with catchers at this point in time, there's not a lot of catchers that you could just replace someone like Contreras with. Catchers, there's a few guys that you go, yeah, I want you would start your team with that, and then there's a massive drop-off. Massive drop-off. Like the Cardinals. They're nowhere near, in regards to financial resources, do not compare to the Chicago Cubs. Regardless of success, the Cardinals have the second most World Series titles of all time. The Cubs are the third richest team in baseball. And they're trading away control. The Cardinals held on to Adam Wainwright and Yair Molina for their entire careers. And the Cubs can't hold on to one of the pieces that won a World Series. Apart from Kyle Hendricks. Apart from Hendricks, no one else. And Hayward. Why not trade Hayward? Cut Hayward. Sign Contreras. Out of all the people that were on that World Series team, no one wanted Hayward to last this long. (laughs) No one that you're going to get and no one that you're going to bring up is going to match Contreras' intensity, his leadership, and his overall influence on the Chicago Cubs franchise. The third richest team in baseball is the only team out of the top three that is doing this. The Yankees go out and buy players. The Dodgers have gone out and bought players. And the Cubs are trading away their best ones. There's no reason the Cubs, and Rizzo said this earlier in the season, there's no reason the Cubs should not ever should not ever be one of the main guys in free agency. The Cubs are talking about signing a catcher, that, a shortstop this offseason. Your best damn player on the team right now is a shortstop. How do you trade Contreras and Hap? Why do you need a shortstop? Why are they getting linked with shortstops? I've never understood this team. My entire life, I watched them suck 90% of my life. They were good for a few years in the early 2000s, good for the World Series years, year, and then the year before that, when they got swept by the Mets in the playoffs. (laughs) Why are they trading? Why? I got, it's, a re, it's a rhetorical question. I know why, but why? You're already bad. What is getting these more prospects? Contreras are 30 years old. Yadier Molina is still on the Cardinals. Now, I understand Yadier Molina is nowhere near the player he once was, 
but just his presence alone is massive for the dugout. The Cardinals have a bunch of young players breaking through at this point in time. Like Gorman, they have Donovan, Juan Yepes. Like they have a lot of good, talented young players breaking through this team. Dylan Carlson's young. Tyler O'Neill's young. Bader's young. Everybody apart from Arenado and Goldschmidt, they brought up. And they didn't go out and trade away Yadier Molina because they, oh, we were doing this. No. And they're not, they, St. Louis is nowhere near as big of a market as Chicago. Nowhere near. Chicago is the third or fourth biggest city in America. St. Louis is not that. Market-wise, they're not comparable. And yet the Cardinals have the second most World Series titles of all time, and the Cubs have three. And it went on a 108-year drought. And are the third richest team in baseball. And they're trading away their best players when they should be going out and, you know, signing these best players. There's no salary cap. There's no reason the Cubs should be this bad every single time or have to blow it up every single time. I get Jed York wants to do his own thing. But come on, man. It's stupid. I'm refreshing Twitter just to see when they're going to trade Contreras. But, like, I watched the this game happen. Contreras are hugging forever in the dugout. Contreras is crying on first base. Contreras is crying in the air. He ain't staying. No matter how much he wants, they gave him a standing ovation when he came up to his last at-bat. No matter how much he wants to stay, it does not matter. One of the most storied franchises in all of baseball, one of the most popular teams in all of sports, the third richest team in baseball, is training away their best players. One of the most marketable teams in baseball and one of the biggest markets in sports is the one that's consistently tanking. Consistently. It's not like it's a one-off thing. They were good for four years and tank. They were good in 2015, 16, 17, 18, okay, five years. And then they're tanking again. Back to what we had to witness. The cart, the freaking Reds started with three wins. And they're joint, except for this random win streak the Cubs are on. If it weren't for this win streak, the Cubs and the Cubs and Reds were pretty damn close to each other. They're three games apart right now, or two games apart right now. And the Cubs are on a six-game winning streak. It's so frustrating. They're only 10 games behind the Cardinals. <laughs> I hate this team. And the thing is, I people say this all the time, just with their sporting, their favorite sports teams. I hate this team. I hate this team. But you know what? You're not going to go out and find another one. You can hate this team as much as you want. You're never going to go out and find another one. Like, I have no idea what they're going to do with Ross. I mean, they hired Ross knowing that they were going to trade all their players last year. And then, what? Or no, the year before that, where they got beaten in the playoffs by the Marlins. And then they went into the season knowing they were going to trade everybody. And now they're trading Contreras and Hap. Potentially, I guess it's not even official. It's not official yet, but it just seems that way. Like, man, I hate this team. But again, I'm not going to find another one. Like, I've been a Cubs fan my entire life. I grew up going to Iowa Cubs games. Out of all the sports 
out there, the baseball is the only one I haven't even liked another team. The Cubs have always been like, I've liked other teams in sports. Because when you're a kid, you grow up, you're like, oh, I want to be, I want to like this team. I don't like this player. Never done that with baseball. The Cubs sucked apart from, like, when I was a kid, apart from four years, give or take. 2007, 2008, 2003, like, early, early when I was a kid. Then 07, 08 when they got swept by the Diamondbacks and Dodgers in the playoffs. But, yeah, it's just, it sucks. It sucks. No salary cap, third richest team in baseball, biggest market, one of the biggest markets, and you're constantly tanking. It's fun. It's fun. It's going to suck major cock when I see Wilson Contreras playing for another team. I don't even know what team he's going to play for. He's probably going to get traded to the Yankees again. The Yankees fleeced the Cubs enough. The Cubs' whole starting, the Yankees' whole starting infield, potentially, could be all former Chicago Cubs players. Rizzo, Torres, or Rizzo, LeMahieu, Torres, Donaldson. All former Cubs players. And then potentially Contreras. All Cubs players. LeMahieu got let go in the stupidest trade Cubs history for Ian Stewart. Gliber Torres got traded for Aroldis Chapman, which in hindsight, like World Series, cool, but, um, Second base has been a problem area for the Cubs for a while, and Glaber Torres has finally started to turn around again. Donaldson was a catcher with the Cubs, got traded to the the got moved to the a, the A's and the money ball thing. Moved to third base, one of the best defensive third basemen in baseball. Won an MVP. Like, oh, Rizzo faced the Cubs franchise for X amount of years. Traded the Yankees for nothing. And I would not be surprised if Contreras got traded to the Yankees. The Cubs seemed to love doing business with the Yankees for whatever reason. I don't know where he's going to go, but it's going to suck regardless. And it's going to be weird. It's going to be very, very weird. Like watching Bryant wear a Rockies uniform or Baez wear a Tigers uniform or Rizzo in a Yankees uniform, Schwarber in a Phillies uniform. I'll still love and cheer for them all the time, but man, this sucks. This blows. I hate it. With every fiber of my being, I hate this stupid team. But you know what? Again, I'm not going to find another one. So with that being said, I'll end it there. We have no official word on where Contreras is going or if he's even getting traded at this point, unless I keep uh, keep refreshing Twitter and stuff like that. But, oh, Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo just went back-to-back for uh, Yankees-Mets. That's fun. Ian Happ saying, oh, this sucks. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna stop getting on Twitter before I lose my mind. Okay, so that's all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the show as always. Make sure you leave a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or make sure you're subscribed at least. If you're not going to leave a rating, at least subscribe. I hope you enjoyed the show today. If not, I can sincerely apologize. The next show will hopefully be better for you. And with that, I will see you all later. We are 10 days away from the Premier League, so we'll have a Premier League preview on Friday. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And uh, with that, I will see you later. Peace.